This is Software Defined Survival, where we explore how software-defined systems are changing the business of AVIT. Today on Software Defined Survival. So I think many AV integrators are, are still stuck in the hardware mindset where it's all about hardware. And I think they need to evolve to that new software mindset to be able to understand how it all fits together. Even with a huge budget where you buy the, the most expensive equipment you can afford, even then the user experience is very rarely seamless. Because these harder codecs are always outdated. The, the day you buy them, they're already outdated. Whereas if you base it on a PC or a Mac, there's a, you, know, there's, you can replace it very easily and there's new innovation happening in software all the time. Look at Polycom and Cisco. They bring out a new codec every five years, and it's a five-year cycle. We bring out a software update every month. Because the ones who have changed that transition, first of all, have a competitive advantage over all the other AV integrators who are still stuck in the old mindset. Hello there, my name is Patrick Murray, and today's guest got his start as a sales and support consultant for Apple and has held several management and marketing positions for AV manufacturers like Polycom and integration companies such as Video Nations and Vega Global. He's also served as a startup mentor and is currently EMEA, Europe, Middle East and Africa channel manager at Zoom. And in case you haven't heard of that company, Zoom is a software-defined video collaboration experience in use by over 700,000 businesses and has millions of users, including myself, and this very podcast. All of our remote interviews are recorded with Zoom, and I also use it to host webinars and collaborate with my customers and my development team. So I'm quite interested to talk more about this software-defined collaboration and what it means for the AV integration space with Mike Adams. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much, Patrick. Great to be on the podcast. We actually have a million companies using Zoom, not just 700,000. Now, there's so many people signing up every day. It's hard to keep track. Excellent. You need to update your LinkedIn profile then. <laughs> so is there anything, about, anything else about that introduction that you'd like to correct or expand upon? Oh, no, it's absolutely great. So I joined Zoom exactly one year ago. This is my one-year anniversary. Uh, and I can tell you, you know, I've been blown away. I've been in the, the technology industry for 25 years. I've been in video conferencing for nearly 10 years. And I've seen lots of cool technology. I'm a super geek. I love tech. And Zoom really has blown me away, not because they're just a cool company, but also because their technology is so far ahead of the curve. So it's really a good place to be. I can't complain. I'm very happy. Excellent. Congratulations on your anniversary. And we'll talk more about Zoom in a few minutes. But first, I'd like to get to know you a little better. It looks sure. like Polycom was your first introduction to AV. I'm not sure if that's accurate, but tell us how you got started in AV and what your experience has been with the uh, AV integration space. Yeah, so, so Polycom had opened a new executive briefing center in central London. They were looking for someone to head all the demonstrations there and really have a, a European evangelist for their technology. And uh, being a very enthusiastic geek, you know, for me, that was a, a perfect place to be. And I, I just joined them there and delivered 2,800 demonstrations in three and a half years. So I know the Polycom solutions inside and out, which is great. absolutely love it. And I made lots of friends in the whole AV industry because Polycom is at the heart of it. I mean, every AV company in the world has either worked with Polycom, sold Polycom, or integrated with Polycom. So, so really at the center of the whole industry. So a great place to be. Uh, and you know, being there, I got to learn about all the, the different AV technologies and also how 
AV partners work with each other. And for me, that's really important, that whole ecosystem of companies, whether it's vendors, integrators, consultants, and obviously designers who are designing new workspaces. And that got me, got me really excited to be in a very cutting-edge technology field, but at the same time, integrating with other elements of the workplace. So you mentioned this AV partner ecosystem. Um, do you see any places where that can be improved, those well, relationships between different companies? Absolutely. I think you know the AV industry is complex enough. There's lots of different uh, players. And in some cases, you know, companies compete with each other. In other cases, they work with each other. And I think it's all a mix of both. You know, we're all frenemies in a way. Um, our technology, Zoom technology, integrates seamlessly with Polycom and Cisco and BlueJeans and LiveSize and Starleaf and all the other players out there. So we're, we're effectively friends working with each other, building solutions. On the other hand, there's some competition as well. Some technology is better than others and can replace it. So I think the way we can work better together is recognize where we can help each other and to make sure that AV integrators, consultants, and resellers you know, are fully trained in all the latest technologies. Very often, they sell what they know, they recommend what they know, but there's just always new stuff coming out. So to work better together, it's really about education and having really some thought leadership, which we can share among each other. And I think, you know, trade shows are a great place for that. You go to IC in Amsterdam in February every year. You've got 100,000 people there sharing insights and announcing new products. That's a great place to be. Infocom in the U.S., of course, is the equivalent. But then during the rest of the year, just... Um, keeping ahead of what's uh, happening in the industry, I think will make it a better place for everyone to work together. Um, I think the big revolution right now is all done in software. We all know this. So I think many AV integrators are, are still stuck in the hardware mindset where it's all about hardware. And I think they need to evolve to that new software mindset to be able to understand how it all fits together. So my challenge is really to, to educate uh, AV consultants, AV integrators, and anyone in the AV industries to understand what that new landscape looks like to, to help us work better together. I'm really glad you brought that up because it's really what this show is about. You, you talked about training being the biggest challenge because people tend to specify and sell and use what they know. But there's this huge shift going on away from hardware towards software-defined solution. You said the revolution is software. And um, that's really the message of the show, just to shine a light on that and say, look, there are other ways of doing things. And even if you don't choose it in the end, you should at least be considering these new options. So with that in mind, can you give us a brief overview? Um, mo most of the people listening to this show will be in some kind of AV integration space or background. Uh, so give us just a, a quick overview of Zoom Rooms and maybe the partner program as well. Yeah, so, so Zoom really has tried to reinvent what a modern meeting room looks like. When I was working for AV integrators before I joined Zoom, I've sold a lot of meeting rooms and meeting room solutions, and that often includes lots of different components. You've got your AV rack, you've got your screens, you've got your cameras, you've got your traditional video conferencing codecs, you've got your room booking screens or scheduling screens, you've got your AV matrix, you've got your room controller. There's so many components in there, and to create a coherent experience is quite difficult. I mean, even with a huge budget where you buy the, the most expensive equipment you can afford, even then, the user experience is very rarely seamless. I've walked into you know $200,000 meeting rooms where nothing works properly together, where you can make a phone call or you can make a video call, but you cannot do the two together. 
or you can schedule the meeting room, but you can't schedule the video conferencing system. Or you can share your presentation wirelessly to the big screen, but then you have to switch video inputs if you want to do a video call. And all of these uh, discrepancies in the user experience are the, uh, a big issue. You know, that's where people complain that meeting rooms are too complicated. So Zoom has solved that problem by inventing a completely new user experience. And we call that Zoom Room. So Zoom Room is really the next generation of meeting room experiences. And our focus is not on expensive, complicated hardware. The focus of Zoom Room is the user interface, the user experience. And Zoom Room is really about designing a user-centric interface, which we call a CEO-proof solution. So a CEO can walk into a boardroom with no technical knowledge whatsoever, easily launch a meeting, add participants, share the presentation wirelessly, and schedule the room and see all the meetings for the day. And so that whole user experience is really the core of what the Zoom Room is about. But to build that experience, it's obviously non-trivial. We spent years and years of research to build that experience. And the secret sauce, I'm going to reveal the secret sauce here, is, of course, software. Software is the secret sauce. It's not hardware. The hardware is actually off-the-shelf hardware. So the core component of a Zoom room is a PC or a Mac. I mean, you can buy that anywhere. It's very, very basic. And you just run a special version of our software, which runs in kiosk mode, like a, a closed appliance for all intents and purposes. Then you use a USB camera, a USB speakerphone, and a touchscreen, like an iPad or Crestron touchscreen. So again, the hardware components are very basic. There's nothing special about the hardware. But the software interface is very unique. It's very special. And that's literally the whole revolution there. It's not only the user interface, but also how it all works together. And the fact is powered by our cloud solution, which allows you know, 10,000 people on a single webinar or 500 people on a single call. So that's a revolution. It's a simple software interface, which is backed up by our, our incredible, unique cloud solution behind, behind the scenes. So the revolution for AV integrators is not to focus on the hardware codec, but really focus on that user experience. And when you deploy that Zoom room, you're guaranteed that whatever you do, you're going to have an amazing user experience. So you know customers are going to be happy. But behind the scenes, you've got lots of flexibility to install different cameras, different microphones, different speakers, etc., based on the size of the room, based on the budget, etc. And the cool thing about this software revolution is you can go very, very low end. You can buy an entire meeting room experience for $1,500, or you can go very high end. You can build an auditorium with three screens and 12 cameras and 45 microphones, and that works perfectly well as well. So you can really go to the super low end of the spectrum and the super high end of the spectrum and everything in between. But whatever you choose in terms of hardware components, that user interface is always CEO-proof. So that is a big revolution. So Zoom Room is really changing the whole industry. Now, there are some other software-defined meet rooms out there, but most of them really focus only on small huddle rooms on the low end of the market. And that actually is a big limiting factor because if only your small huddle rooms have that cool user experience, but the high-end boardrooms have a completely different user experience, you're completely missing the point. The whole point of this exercise is to have a standard experience across all meeting rooms. And so that's where Zoom is very unique. I mean, the Zoom room is really the next generation of meeting rooms. It's very exciting. So when we talk to customers about meeting rooms or the meeting experience, we don't talk about one or two boardrooms. We talk about 50, 100, 500, or 1,000 meeting rooms. So the plan is for, the point is for customers to deploy the same user experience in every single meeting room, whether it's a small room, a medium room, a big room. So effectively, every room becomes a Zoom room. And a great example of that is a, a company everyone knows called Uber, a no, great uh, taxi company. They're a $70 billion business, obviously doing very well. 
uh, they've got 1,600 Zoom rooms. So effectively, every single meeting room in their office is a Zoom room. There's no such thing as a, as a meeting room without a video conferencing system or a meeting room which only has a conference phone. That doesn't exist. Effectively, every single room has the full experience with audio conferencing, video conferencing, wireless presentation, and scheduling. So employees absolutely love it because they know they can go into any room, doesn't matter which one it is, and they will have the full experience. So this is the revolution that's happening now. When you talk to big companies or small companies moving to new offices, we don't talk about one or two big boardrooms. We talk about every single room have, have, having the same experience. And that's what software can deliver. So, so it's a big revolution. I think this is really changing the whole AV industry. Yeah, software in general. And you, you hit a few points about what Zoom Room brings to the table. And I'd like to go over them really quickly. Obviously, the, the benefits for the end user that they get a standardized experience across the entire enterprise, off-the-shelf hardware, um, this USB plug-and-play type of uh, thing uh, raised a few concerns for me for integrators. But the way you explain that you could start with a huddle room and move all the way up to a large auditorium, I see how an integrator could really use that in their business to start small to handle anything they could. But nonetheless... I think there's a bit of a business model that needs to change if you are an AV integrator when you're accustomed to selling a some kind of proprietary specialized purpose-built piece of hardware with a large margin, moving from that to using off-the-shelf type products, maybe the microphones and cameras, those are still specialty purpose-built type of gear. But can you talk a little bit about the business model that that um, AV integrators may need to start moving to or how it will affect the way projects are done. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good point. So first of all, the, the USB thing. You know, I, I used to work for two AV integrators and we all always looked at USB as being kind of cheap consumer grade products, which are not uh, able to compete with the proper professional products like you know, Cisco and Polycom cameras really kind of the gold standards and all USB devices were kind of cheap, crappy consumer things. But that has changed dramatically. Over the last couple of years, you can now find very, very high-end USB devices, whether it's cameras, microphones. So you can actually design a very high-end professional system with USB devices. So USB is no longer kind of seen as a, a kind of dirty, cheap, low-end product. You can do some very high-end stuff with USB. Now, on the other hand, yes, the average price of a meeting room will go way lower, will be much lower than with traditional AV equipment. So AV integrators are obviously scared they're going to lose on their margins, they're going to lose on their revenue, of course, and that's a, a genuine concern. And the answer is very simple. Uh, when you look at Zoom rooms, you look at volume. You, know, you look at a customer moving to a brand new office with 20 meeting rooms. It's very rare they're going to tell an AV integrator to put 20 traditional Polycom or Cisco systems in those 20 rooms. It would be way too expensive. So most customers will only put a video conferencing system in one or two big boardrooms, and the 18 other rooms will be super low end, just a little conference phone, and that's it. With Zoom Room, you're going to put Zoom Room in all 20 rooms. And effectively, the total budget for all 20 rooms will probably be the same as those two big boardrooms with traditional AV equipment. So overall, the AV integrator will make about the same revenue from all 20 rooms. But the big difference is, of course, annual recurring revenue from licenses. When you sell software, you always sell annual recurring licenses. So for the next 30 years, that AV integrator is going to make money on those 20 rooms. So overall, there's much more money to be made because, again, it's all about volume. Instead of selling one or two big expensive rooms, they're going to sell 20, 50, 100 rooms. And even at a lower average price, in total, total revenue will be much, much bigger. 
right? So that's the big opportunity for AV integrators. Second thing, even in a Zoom room based on USB devices, you can do some interesting things with some high-end equipment. So when you look at our, our designs for typical meeting rooms, we do recommend for some big rooms to use traditional DSP systems, ceiling microphones, handheld mics, wireless mics, and all of these equipments are traditional AV equipment, which are actually quite expensive, where AV integrators still make a lot of margin, right? So effectively, we're not saying you should never use AV equipment, only use USB devices. Effectively, it's a mix, right? When you're doing more complex rooms, you need some HDMI repeaters, you need USB extenders, you need wireless mics, ceiling mics, you need lots of uh, DSPs, et cetera, et cetera. So there's, there's still lots of money to be made there on the hardware equipment. Even for the low-end low, low rooms, you might not need that. For the me medium to big rooms, you're still going to need lots of AV equipment where AV integrators will feel comfortable. They know that stuff, and they, they can still make a lot of money. So I would say, on average, on most Zoom projects, AV integrators will probably make as much or more money, but longer term, we're going to make much more money. It's, it's just a different mindset. I think... We just need to educate educate AV integrators on that new model. Yeah, It'll interesting. Work out itself. I think it's all it's all going to be fine. I've met lots of AV integrator, integrators who have actually already done the jump and they just get it, and some are still reluctant to say no, no, no. I make more money selling my traditional AV stuff, and they're reluctant to it. But sooner or later, it'll just come around. It's just a matter of time. They may have to. That kind of comes back to the beginning when training was that key thing that uh, that needs to happen to to help people make the shift. Um, you spoke about licensing and a 30-year refresh, which I'd like to dig into a little more. And I'm curious about support. I'm really curious about integrators that have already done this because I think there's some flexibility, right? You, you could go to the customer and say, I'm selling you a Zoom license. Or what I really took away from what you just said is that we're no longer just dealing with a room or a group of rooms. You're really uh, talking about a collaboration solution for the entire company, for the entire enterprise if, or, or small business even if it's just a few rooms. So looking at it in that light as a complete solution package, have you seen any interesting AV as a service models that just include the license as part of it and maybe also include refresh of the hardware at certain intervals and how is support handled? Like are AV integrators offering also telephone support or does support get routed directly to Zoom? Can you talk a little bit about how this new model kind of plays out? Yeah, absolutely. So when you look at, at Zoom, we never talk just about meeting rooms. For us, that's only a component of the solution. There's always the other element, which is licenses for all employees of the company so that they can organize and schedule meetings and book those meeting rooms. So if you take an example of a customer with 100 employees and five meeting rooms, instead of just selling them five meeting rooms, we're actually selling them 100 user licenses plus five meeting rooms. So again, the AV integrator can make money on those licenses on top of the meeting rooms. Uh, and then the second thing is, Effectively, there is an option for AV integrators to build a package where they include licenses and hardware, and the whole thing sell that as a monthly service. And I've, we have a few AV integrators who have actually done that. So they created a, a bundle with installation services, screens, cabling, USB cameras, iPads, etc., Zoom licenses. They buy the whole thing yearly and sell it monthly with a, a leasing contract, for example, where they, they spread over two or three years, and it be becomes effectively meeting rooms as a service which include everything. Uh, in terms of support, Zoom offers 24-7 support by email. Now, if partners or resellers want to offer their own support as a first line, like a telephone support or anything like that, 
obviously that's an extra service they can sell. And some of them do, right? Some partners even sell a managed service where they even control the rooms remotely and prov- provide reports and uh, do you know, basic troubleshooting remotely on behalf of the customer. Now, we offer that as a web interface. The customer can do that themselves, but we can easily, uh, you know, we easily allow our resource to, da- to do that on behalf of their customers. And some of them have, have really jumped on board and done that and sell that as a managed service. So yet another revenue opportunity for, for partners. So you're bundling the installation hardware, the licenses, perhaps even managed services. So you're with the managed services and support, you could really add a lot more value. But customers are always going to compare this to um, how much it would cost if they just bought it themselves, right? They'll do the same math that you're doing as an integrator to see if it's worth it. So can you talk about some of the challenges about offering a bundle like that and where that initial money comes from. Does it get borrowed from a bank? Does it, is it financed by the integrator? Is this something a small integrator would be able to pull off on their own? What are your ideas on that? No, so typically, again, so Zoom, we don't offer those bundles. That would be done by the resellers themselves, the partners, right? The way it works is the customer, the end user, buys the whole package from the integrator with hardware and software and services. And effectively, instead of paying the whole thing up front, they just use a leasing contract, a leasing company, and the leasing company will just spread out the payment over two or three years. Simple as that. Now, the leasing company can be matched by the end user themselves or par- by the partner. Some partners have their own leasing company they work with, and some just give it to the end user saying, why don't you give this to your own leasing company? And, and it works in way, right? So in, in both scenarios, the partner doesn't have to put any money up front. Right? There's no uh, initial investment. It's really the end user paying for the, for the solution. So there's no risk for the partner effectively, right? Um, so yeah, we have a few partners doing that. It works really well. It's a, it's a great, uh, great solution. Now, you also mentioned end users comparing prices. Bear in mind that our license price would be exactly the same if an end user buys it directly from Zoom or from a partner. It's exactly the same price. There's no benefit for the customer to buy it either way. However, there's a big benefit for the end user to buy from a partner rather than from Zoom because the partner can also sell them the hardware and installation services, which Zoom cannot do. Right, so it makes it much more easy for the end user to purchase. Have a one-stop shop, one single purchase order sent to a partner, to a reseller, who can f- provide the entire solution. Uh, otherwise, the end user has to buy you know, hardware components from one provider, installation from another provider, license from us. You know, it'd be like three different POs or even more. So it makes it much more difficult. I think most end users, what they're looking for is convenience. Sure, they want a single, you know, source to place order. And if the price is about the same anyway, you know, that's the obvious choice. Thanks for sharing that. Um, that's some good feedback because this is new land. It's not, uh, I don't think it's yet typical of the way projects are done, but there are certainly some people out there doing it. So it's always nice to hear some feedback on, on how things actually play out. So we covered some of the business aspects. Let's, let's get a little technical. I know that um, you would encourage everyone to use the app to control a Zoom room. But there will be situations where some third-party control is needed, like lighting and shades or some obvious add-ons that come to mind. How would you achieve something like that with a Zoom room? So it's very simple. We work very closely with Crestron. We've got a very big, very good strategic partnership and relationship with Crestron. So with a Crestron control, like a TSW panel, the 7 or 10-inch, you can simply have the Zoom room interface, like uh, the normal Zoom room interface, which everyone loves. And with a single press of a button on the Crestron panel, you switch to the normal Crestron interface where you can control the lights, the blinds, the shades, and everything else you want and just design whatever interface you like. And again, just press that one button, you switch back to Zoom Room mode, you're back in Zoom Room. So it's literally a one-touch experience. Very simple. 
that sounds like a simple way to deal with that. But um, devil's advocate here, that's not exactly the best user experience jumping from one app to another. And there will certainly be situations where somebody wants a more fluid experience where they have one menu to choose from different options, the, the Zoom call and their uh, environmental controls. So is there an API to interact with Zoom Room to achieve something like that? Yeah, we have a, an API so you can design whatever interface you like. Absolutely. And is that the but same? The is, to, to be honest, there is an API so you could design your own interface however you like it to be. And that's fine. But the re reality is I don't recommend it because the whole point is we've spent millions of man hours designing the ultimate user interface for Zoom Room. So if you try to recreate your own interface and change things around, you're basically missing out on that optimized experience we've designed, right? So I would still say, I would disagree with you. I would say that the best user experience is to have the normal Zoom Room experience the way we've designed it. And with a single press of a single button, you switch to your Crestron interface to control the lights and the blinds, et cetera. And with a single button, you switch back to Zoom Room interface. I would argue for me, that is the best experience money can buy. I would say that's better than trying to reintegrate some of the Zoom Room buttons in your own interface, where you're going to miss out on, on the, the whole Zoom Room, integrated Zoom Room experience we've designed. There will certainly be times where that is the right thing, but I'm not one to make uh, any kind of, um, I don't like to say that this is the solution for every situation because what we do is many times custom. Sure, if you have 100 uh, rooms with just a display, it's pretty obvious that there will be for the 90%, the one solution is the right way to go. And this is a lot like Sonos, like the Sonos app is very rich and people want that experience. But if you integrate it into a home, um, they're jumping back and forth between apps may not be the right thing for a certain set of people. That's why I ask about that. It's good to know that there is an API and integrators do have that option. Yep, absolutely. So moving forward, um, if anybody's looking to move to uh, more software-defined systems, software-defined collaboration, and they're perhaps a little hesitant, what would your advice to them be? Well, effectively, although you know, I think the biggest hesitation is people don't like the idea of having a, a Mac or a PC running software in a room rather than having a, a codec from Cisco and Polycom, which is a closed system, right? Yeah. Where you can't play Angry Birds and all that stuff. But effectively, for all intents and purposes, the PC or Mac running Zoom Room is a closed appliance as well. The way we set up the Zoom Room software on a PC or a Mac in a Zoom Room is literally completely locked down. So you cannot do any software updates. It's completely, there's no other apps running. If the PC reboots itself after a power cut, for example, it will reboot directly into the Zoom Room app. So effectively, the user will never ever see the Mac OS or Windows 10 interface. The only thing they will ever see is a full screen Zoom Room interface. So for all intents and purposes, it works literally like a closed appliance. So there's really no difference with the traditional codec, right? Um, and the fact we use software for the user interface means you have choice. So you can choose to put an iPad as user interface and again, lock it down so it doesn't run any other software or an Android tablet or Polycom Trio or a Creston Mercury or a Creston TSW screen. So again, the fact we use software gives you all these different options in terms of which hardware you want to choose based on the budget, based on the size of the room, et cetera. So I think you get the benefits, but no downsides. The benefits is flexibility and choice, and there's really no downside. The only perceived downside is, again, the fact that it's a Mac or a PC rather than a closed appliance. But as I said, it is actually a closed appliance. Really, for all intents and purposes, it's the same. Now, we are working with Dell to actually build a specialized PC 
where the only app which can run on it is Zoom Room and nothing else. It's even more lockdown. So you can not even install another app. And that's coming out in September, so very soon. And that will be built directly by Dell. It will be a Dell Windows PC, but instead of running the normal Windows operating system, it will be Windows 10 IoT, which is Internet of Things, which is a special version of the operating system completely locked down on the Zoom Room app. So you cannot install any other app. Literally, it's completely locked. So it will work exactly like a closed appliance, effectively. Interesting. Yeah, there, there goes that education thing again. Uh, the electronics are almost secondary. It's, it's the image that, that is on there that really is determinant of how things function. How do uh, IT administrators, what's the experience been there with um, deploying these things on the network and, and dealing with certain requirements they yeah. may have? So when you set up a Zoom room on a PC, for example, um, either you can completely block, completely block uh, software updates to make sure it doesn't start updating the, the operating system while you're in the middle of a call, right? Or instead of that, for some companies which have strict uh, security requirements to make sure you always have the latest software updates, you simply schedule them every week on a Sunday morning at 2 a.m. because that's usually when the meeting rooms are empty in most companies. So every Sunday morning at 2 a.m., the PC or Mac in the room will do its software updates. And then by Monday morning, when people walk into the room, it's already rebooted directly back into the Zoom Room app. So you'll never know it's actually happened, but at least your PCs are always up to date, right? Uh, the second thing is when you're deploying lots of iPads as your controllers for Zoom Rooms, you also want to lock those down so they only run the Zoom Room controller app and nothing else. And also all the software updates are done in the background. And so for that, there's a few mobile device management solutions out there. It's what they call MDM, Mobile Device Management. So these are third-party software apps for IT administrators to remotely deploy hundreds, even thousands of iPads and PCs and do all the software updates remotely. Uh, so again, there's quite a few solutions. And we would obviously recommend those uh, when you're deploying a, a large number of Zoom Rooms. Um, sure. And then you also have a web interface for Zoom Room to control all your Zoom Rooms remotely, do software updates remotely, see which software version is, is installed. So it's very easy to manage all remotely. And the cool thing about that web interface, you also can control your Polycom and Cisco meet rooms from there as well. So the single view, your IT administrator can manage Zoom rooms, Polycom rooms, and Cisco rooms, all from a single view. So it's literally a, a great solution for enterprise customers with a mixed estate with lots of different codecs. Yeah, sounds like uh, some more opportunity with the managed services and um, and with the MDM for deploying apps to iPads. I use simple MDM to uh, manage remotely some yeah. iPads and, and uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting. So um, any parting thoughts? Well, no, I, I think the whole industry is really moving in that direction. And there's still quite a few vendors out there focused on the hardware, focused on codecs. You know, I, I think that's really the old model because these hardware codecs are always outdated. The, bit, the day you buy them, they're already outdated because they're already, you know, locked down to a specific uh, hardware set. Whereas if you base it on a PC or a Mac, there's a, you, know, there's, you can replace it very easily and there's new innovation happening in software all the time. So I think all the, the companies still selling hardware codecs are going to move to that new model anyway, right? And some already have, some are still in transition, so I think we're already ahead of that. We're already you know, in the na- that next generation mindset. I think it's all moving that direction. And I think it's, it's, a, it's good for everyone. It's better for the end user because the end users get a better user experience and a most consistent user experience in all their meeting rooms at a better price point. So end users are definitely winners in this model. Then you've got AV integrators 
who are also winners because the ones who have changed that transition, first of all, have a competitive advantage over all the other AV integrators who are still stuck in the old mindset. And more importantly, it frees them up to focus more on the user experience and not on you know, old legacy hardware. And then they can make more money with annual recurring revenue. So I, I think that whole model is, is a win for everyone. It's just a matter of educating people about it and, and getting that mindset, right? Um, so I, I'm very excited. I think it's a, the AV industry is reinventing itself right now. Uh, I think it's a, it's a huge revolution for everyone involved. And I think the future is very bright. And Zoom is bringing lots of innovation to that space. So the, the, the pace of innovation is also very different. When we look at hardware, look at Polcom and Cisco. They bring out a new codec every five years, and it's a five-year cycle. We bring out a software update every month. So every month there's literally new features coming out. So compared to the development cycle, it's ridiculous. It's crazy, right? It goes from waiting five years for innovation to waiting one month for innovation. It's, it's a completely different uh, mindset. And I think it's very exciting. So it's a win for everyone. It's just a matter of educating the people. So, you know, I'm, I'm very excited to be in this place. And I look forward to having lots of AV, new AV partners joining us in this revolution. Absolutely. It certainly is exciting. And the effect of software on AV it can be quite beneficial. Like you mentioned, just the um, the update cycle, it, you could add new features at a pace that just wasn't possible when you were completely hardware-based. So it certainly will be interesting and exciting to see how all this plays out going forward. If anyone would like to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Uh, they can just contact me on, on LinkedIn. It's Mike Adams at Zoom. Or just send me an email. I'm happy to take any emails. Mike.Adams at Zoom.us. Or uh, just look at our, our Zoom blog and get in touch with us. Excellent. Mike, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks very much, Patrick. Appreciate it. If you or anyone on your staff ever considered themselves just an AV programmer, join the club. That's how I used to feel. I was just an AMX programmer or just a Crestron programmer. Whatever language of your choice is... Whatever it may be, there's generally this feeling in AV that we're not capable of using modern programming languages, and it simply isn't true. Sure, there's a learning curve, but once you get through it, all other languages become easier to learn, and it just expands the amount of options you have when designing a system. It's not an either-or decision. You don't say, I won't be using these manufacturer tools anymore. It's just you have a broader palette to choose from. And here's what Mark Day, founder of Ideabox, had to say about his experience with the online courses at learnavprogramming.com. You know, Patrick, it's funny how the smallest things can sometimes be the start of really big ideas. Uh, before I took the learnavprogramming.com courses, I was in that proprietary I'm only a control system programmer kind of mindset, right? Uh, when it came to new technologies or current technologies like JavaScript or, or things like that, for some reason, I thought that was different from what I'm doing. And what taking your courses flipped for me was not so much what I learned technically taking the courses. It was the mindset of, oh, wait a second, I'm already doing 99% of what some of these most modern programmers are doing, I just have to learn, uh, you know, the other one percent, and that's really what I did. So it's really been kind of a big change after taking the course, um, and I would really recommend this course to any integrator. 
Not only will it obviously help their skill set, but more importantly, it might change their whole mindset, uh, which is more important and, and, and really show them new opportunities, open the door so they kind of see problems through a different lens. Uh, I got to tell you, one of the, the biggest changes for me was as soon as I taught myself HTML, CSS, JavaScript and saw the UIs that I can make with those technologies, I, I just couldn't sell a uh, Crestron touch panel again. Mark is a great example of somebody who takes new information and really applies it. I know that Mark still sells a lot of Crestron equipment, but for him, for his company, for his customers, for his business, he needed a better UI. He needed another option for a user interface, and modern programming allowed him to do that. So the question is, how can you use modern programming to improve your business? Please go to learnavprogramming.com and wherever you see a sign up button, go ahead and sign up and you'll get some free information to get a feel of my learning style and what kind of information is available. And of course, it would be an honor to have you enroll in one of our courses and help you upgrade your skills and take this industry to the next level. Thanks for listening to Software Defined Survival. I hope you found it useful and maybe it inspires you to try out something new this week. If you have any questions, Go to softwaredefinedsurvival.com and click the appropriate button. I'd love to answer your questions on the air. And if you'd like to help spread the word, please subscribe, comment, and share it with your friends. Thanks.